Welcome, my name is Roger Quayle, and you are listening to My Life in the Mosh of Ghosts. Hello and welcome back to My Life in the Mosh of Ghosts, with me, your host, Roger Quayle, and thank you for joining me. Today's episode focuses on the gig of the summer of 1980 in Sheffield, with Cabaret Voltaire playing a rare hometown concert and being joined on this occasion by fellow industrial titans, Throbbing Gristle. So here we go, it's Cabaret Voltaire and Throbbing Gristle co-headlining at Sheffield University in the Lower Refectory on June the 10th, 1980. I'm so hollow. Here. They must be Russians. Present. Vendino Pact. Yes, miss. A warm summer evening, and it's registration time for Sheffield bands at the lower refectory on Western Bank. Vice versa, DVA, prior to intercourse, sexual lotion, in the nursery. Station 4 and the Naked Pygmy Voles, all present and correct. Anyone who isn't here tonight, either as a gig of their own or a sent a sick note from their mum. Modestly billed in NMX fanzine as the gig of the century, it's fair to say that there hasn't been a meeting of industrial giants in Sheffield on this scale since Thomas Firth joined forces with fellow steelmaker John Brown back in 1902. I've seen Throbbing Gristle once before, when they shared a bill with DVA up the road in Leeds back in February. Back then, I was floored by the paradox of such charming, affable people administering such unpleasant, painful aural medicine. However, since then, I've started to tackle my own atonal assault course, with vigorous schooling from bandmate and noise connoisseur Charlie Collins. I've been introduced, courtesy of the Record Library on Surrey Street, to the free jazz of Ornette Coleman and the splintered ivories of Cecil Taylor. Inter alia, I've also discovered that Marion's Azalea is not, in fact, a contagious tropical disease. Throbbing Gristle, take the stage. The last gig I saw here was almost two years ago, when local pub rock meets new wave heroes The Push played live for Radio Hallam. A lot has changed since then. I've left school with a ragbag of qualifications, swapped toe-tapping Beatles covers for portentous art rock originals, and finally, have a job. Throbbing Gristle have an extraordinary array of equipment for a drummerless quartet. The stage looks more like a NATO forward command and control post than a platform for rock music. An impression exacerbated by all personnel being dressed in camouflage and combat gear, including their personal videographer. Lou Reed's tuneless, unrelenting metal machine music 
is the only pin on my musical map that Throbbing Gristle are anywhere near to. An arrhythmic, glowering, malevolent sound envelops the hall. Centre right stands Genesis P. Orridge, wielding a bass guitar like a cudgel. His wounded hyena voice is modulated and manipulated up and down the chromatic scale by Chris Carter and Peter Christofferson. Dante's infernal doormen, concentrating on their keyboards, oscillators and glinting, glimmering racks of studio effects gear. Front left of the stage, cosy Fanny Tutti hunches over her guitar, oblivious to the coterie of serious young men ardently gazing at her, bewitched by her saturnine beauty. Their largely improvised sound intimidates, as the usual points of musical reference, rhythm and melody, are largely AWOL. The sound and mood constantly shifts. Now an oily murmation of slick black starlings. Next, a swarm of bees harassing the eardrums. Towering cumulonimbus clouds threatening to topple over. But there are occasional flashes in this relentless thunderhead of energy and noise. Bert Camfort's smoky Strangers in the Night is brutally flayed, its meaning taking on a darker, sinister hue in Yorkshire Ripper country. A church bell chimes and, as Genesis moves to violin, a stridulated pulse emerges from the wreckage. Battered brows start to nod as the ambience drifts into Fripp and Eno territory. Then, the toll of the death knell signals the final assault on the beleaguered gathering, as throbbing gristles untethered drifting supertanker of plutonium comes violently ashore at Sheffield University. They abandon the stage as a final echoing thank you pings around the hall. The thing is, opines Charlie, a foamy high tide of creamy stouts on his moustache. It's still basically based on Western musical notation. I mean, have you heard the Gyoto monks of Tibet? Wow, now we're talking. It's not music concrete, I counter, trying to impress Charlie. It's more like sonic quicksand. Keep bluffing, Roger. If you fight it, it will consume you. So you've just got to lay back and let it wash over you. Pleased with this critique, we finish our pints at the bar amid the still shell-shocked, discombobulated or just plain chicken and then head back in for Cabaret Voltaire. The trio haven't played in Sheffield in over a year and curiosity is running high. In that time, they have released two albums, Mix Up and Live at the YMCA, and the singles, Silent Command and Three Mantras. I've been fortunate enough to see them a couple more times since my first strange and memorable encounter back in August 1978. A May trip to Retford Porterhouse with old school buddy Brent in his tangerine machine, an old Mark III Cortina, saw the cabs battle valiantly with a timid PA 
and Spartan light show. The event was billed as the first ever futurist fun night, with support from Naked Lunch and a newborn The The. We met the Motormouth promoter, a chubby John Bull Jr. called Steve-O, who was wearing a black Ben Sherman with a red TG lightning flash sewn on by his mom. Earlier in May, DVA had supported Cabaret Voltaire at the University of London on Mallet Street, where CV impressed with an immersive but truncated set, which ended with a splenetic spoken word tirade by the normally phlegmatic Chris Watson, raging atop a soupy dirge of distorted clarinet and bad-tempered electronics. Throbbing Gristles on stage Arsenal has been dismantled, and Cabaret Voltaire's comparatively stark setup stands in front of a backdrop of white sheets. Their scratchy 8mm home movies flicker into life, blurring in and out of focus as they start to play. I look on enviously as Mal smacks away at a pair of new, expensive-looking drum synthesizer pads, picking out a primitive tribal beat over a brooding, foreboding drone. It's a chip off the old John Carpenter's block. This is entertainment. This is fun. Fun, commands Mal, in his tense, Dalek bark. He combines the mysterious charm and chiselled good looks of an Easter Island statue. After the harpooned whale song of Throbbing Gristle, the audience are back on musical terra firma. These are tunes in the recognisable three-minute pop format, albeit twisted and tangled by Cabaret Voltaire's unique subterranean touch. This is Entertainment is followed by On Every Other Street from Mix Up. An unseen drum kit kicks off the lopsided funk as Richard Kirk marshals angry squalls of fuzzy notes from his guitar. Down in the audience, among the girls in foxy Oxfam frocks and the boys in baggy pleated trousers borrowed from Dad, the mood is... distracted? The whole of the Blitz Club seems to have travelled up the hill from Infirmary Road to the University. The group unfurl a new one called Neil to the Boss, a stealthy, lizard-like cousin to Eno's sombre reptiles, only to find its dubby bump and squish soundtracking a steady sachet of liggers and swiggers going to and from the bar. The cabs want the full Torquemada. The crowd just want to talk. Jeff Travis from Rough Trade has travelled up from London to mix the live sound, and his presence spurs a flurry of demo tapes which pile up on the sound desk. Richard Kirk stomps on his effects pedal marked Plague of Locusts and, appropriately, their best-known song, Nag Nag Nag, careens out of the speakers. It's the sound of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop covering the Hawaii Five-O theme, delivered here as part of a one-two knockout combination punch with their wall of sound surge through the Seeds Garage Rock staple, No Escape. With this, the audience finally shuts up and gets down. As Martinex Russian later points out, 
in his NMX fanzine. A lot of people at the gig seemed like they'd come along because they didn't want to miss it, rather than because they actually wanted to see it. It's late. I managed to beg a lift home to Shire Green with I'm So Hollow. I'm back on Maggie's farm in the morning, where there's always more muck to spread. You have been listening to My Life in the Mosh of Ghosts with me, your host, Roger Quayle. Thank you to Brent, Amy and John for the guest voices. Thank you to Simon Elliott Kemp for doing the intro and outro music and the guest TG tribute. See you again next time for another episode from My Life in the Mosh of Ghosts.